from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA, a plot in France to kill prominent Americans. Mayor Rudy Giuliani, uh, Speaker Newt Gingrich, and uh, um, uh, Governor Bill Richardson, uh, Attorney General Michael Mukasey, uh, former FBI Director Louis Free, um, uh, Francis Townsend, and several four-star generals. It wasn't an ISIS terror plot, but an alleged Iranian regime plot. We found out that the, the plan to carry out this bombing was uh, made in Tehran uh, a few months ago, and um, the decision was made in the Supreme National Security Council of the Iran regime, which is the highest decision-making body. A key official who was there tells us who was behind it, talks about the sleeper cell, how it was foiled, and what this all means. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. On June 30th and July 1st, four people were arrested by Belgian, French, and German authorities. They allegedly had planned to bomb a massive gathering of people who opposed the Iranian regime. Among them were current high-profile officials from the U.S. government the military, and national security communities in the U.S., and Canada and beyond. The group that put the event together is the National Council of Resistance of Iran, led by Maryam Rajavi. The operation was allegedly being plotted by a sleeper cell. One of the members that was arrested was carrying TATP, a very volatile explosive that could have caused tremendous damage. Joining us on this program is Ali Reza Jafarzadeh, Deputy Director of the Washington Office of the National Council of Resistance of Iran to explain in detail what happened. Would you tell us, set the scene for us by telling us what happened at this conference? And and, and I suppose it would be good to tell us the days that the conference was actually taking place in Paris. Right. The conference um, was taking place on Saturday, uh, June 30th. Um, in the uh, suburb of Paris with a very large attendance of uh, as many as 100,000 people. Um, it was a conference aimed at um, supporting uh, the protests in Iran, calling for um, free Iran, and um, uh, making the argument that the Iranian people and the organized resistance are capable of replacing the current regime with the uh, secular, democratic, non-nuclear republic. And uh, for that purpose, there was a very large um, attendance also among the speakers from various countries in the world, um, from the United States, United Kingdom, uh, France, uh, Germany, uh, all of the major European countries, some of the Middle Eastern countries, 
So it was a very spectacular mm-hmm. um, show of force um, against the regime and in favor of uh, democracy. It was a high-profile event. It was publicized yeah. way in advance, and everyone knew about the details of the uh, event in terms of date, time, and the and the place. Okay, so now let me ask this question uh, to shift just a bit. Um, the conference did take place, but... It is my understanding that authorities in Belgium, France, and Germany uncovered a plot to attack the conference. And as I understand it, basically on the day of the conference, they actually made some arrests. Tell us what you know about that situation. Right. Well, it was obvious from weeks before that the Iranian regime would try to do anything to uh, either disrupt, uh, stop, uh, or do something horrible to the conference because uh, they were afraid of the impact it would have inside Iran. They had done a number of diplomatic initiatives trying to force the French government to cancel the uh, conference, which they didn't. And uh, we were also aware that the regime uh, who had made some threats in advance, that they would plan to do something about that. And obviously the authorities in Europe uh, were aware of it, and they were closely monitoring the Iranian regime's activities uh, in Europe as a whole, but, but things that were somehow related or focused on this event. And uh, that's why um, it became clear that the um, a number of countries, specifically Belgium, were monitoring the activities of the Iran regime's various embassies and their agents. And um, uh, so they um, found out about a plot to uh, carry a very sophisticated operation to uh, bomb the place and inflict um, heavy casualties um, at the event. And uh, But, of course, they waited until the day of the event when they could actually arrest individuals uh, with, with some evidence. And that's what happened on the day of the event. Um, uh, hours before the uh, event was was going to start, the uh, Belgian authorities arrested uh, two individuals with explosives and uh, bombs, very advanced, sophisticated bombs. And also in Germany, on that same day of the event, an Iranian regime diplomat um, who had traveled, who was based in Vienna, in Austria, but had traveled to Germany, uh, was arrested by the German authorities in connection to this uh, uh, potential uh, plot to, um, to bomb the place there. And um, later on, the, the Belgian authorities said that this Iranian regime diplomat had um, traveled uh, first to uh, Luxembourg and um, gave uh, the package of the explosives and the bombs and everything to these two individuals um, who were assigned to carry out the bombing, uh, which were later arrested in Belgium. And, um, and that this diplomat was basically calling the shots and gave the order to carry out this, uh, this operation. And then another individual um, in France was arrested um, by the French authorities who was also connected to this. Um, so it's clear that the um, European authorities were on top of this and they had already uncovered the, the plan to uh, bomb the place and they acted just in time. 
Now, where do you think the order to do this came from? Well, the order clearly came from uh, Tehran. We have, uh, based on our information, as you know, we, we have a very strong network of um, uh, intelligence and activities. We monitor a lot of the activities of the Iran regime. We found out that the, the plan to carry out this bombing was uh, made in Tehran uh, a few months ago. And um, the decision was made in the Supreme National Security Council of the Iran regime, which is the highest decision-making body. Um, and in that meeting, uh, present were the President Rouhani, the Foreign Minister Zarif, uh, the Intelligence Minister Mahmoud Alavi, uh, the Secretary of the Supreme National Security Council, uh, Brigadier General Shamkhani, Awesome Soleimani, the head of the Ghost Force, was also present in that meeting, and a number of others, including the commander of the Revolutionary Guards, and also um, a senior cleric, uh, his name is Mir Hejazi. He is actually the deputy for political um, security affairs of the Supreme Leader's office, who were all present in that meeting when they made the decision to carry out this, uh, this operation. As you know, the Iran regime's terrorist operations are entirely uh, decided and controlled and monitored um, by the uh, Supreme Leader, and uh, details are worked out in the Supreme National Security Council, and this one was no exception. This seemed like a very close call, based on what I've read and, and heard about the situation. The arrests were made the same day, as you said to us, um, so that authorities would have some evidence um, of, of what it was that these people were being arrested for, but it seems as though this was a, a very well-thought-out, long-planned scenario that obviously was very, very serious, and they, they put a lot of thought into it, and it was a significant development. Um, how close did they come to being able to do this? Well, you know, looking at the whole operation and the plan for this operation, the several things are very clear. First of all, the person who was assigned to uh, basically um, command the operation uh, was actually a, a senior diplomat of the Iranian regime who was, in fact, the head of intelligence of the Iranian regime, not just in Austria, but since 2014, he is the intelligence station chief for the Iran regime in the entire Europe. Um, so he was a very senior person who was assigned to this. Um, and uh, second, it was the Minister of Intelligence who had the lead in this operation because they wanted this to be done perfectly, and they wanted to, this to be carried out in the highest level. So there would be um, certainty that uh, the operation would go well. And um, they had planned um, a very sophisticated uh, terrorist operation, um, and they were, I think they were 100% sure that this is going to be successful, and they will be able to carry it out. And, uh, and that's why they had gone through the, um, as far as uh, moving their diplomats uh, uh, from Vienna to Luxembourg, to meet these two individuals who were actually sleeper cells for the Iran regime for years. And um, this was the time to activate them. And um, uh, they had worked out all the little details of it, and they knew exactly where they were going to carry out the, uh, the bombing, how they, who are the people who are going to do that. 
and um, particularly they thought it's a it's a big it's going to have a big big impact because uh, one of the key speakers uh, at the rally was the head of the um, Iranian opposition, a woman, Mrs. Maryam Rajavi. She was the keynote speaker there. She's the most wanted person by the Iran regime. She's based in Paris. Uh, but also there were several uh, high-profile Americans like Mayor Rudy Giuliani, uh, Speaker Newt Gingrich, and uh, um, uh, Governor Bill Richardson, uh, Attorney General Michael Mukasey, uh, former FBI Director Louis Free, um, uh, Francis Townsend, and several four-star generals like uh, General James Conway, who was the commandant of the Marines, General George Casey, who was the uh, chief of the staff of the Army, uh, and also General Chuck Walls. These are, you know, senior Americans um, uh, present, plus so many other uh, speakers from Canada, the former Prime Minister of Canada, uh, several senior people from other European countries, uh, a big delegation from the uh, from Britain um, and uh, other countries. So this would have been a major success for the Iran regime. They were able to uh, deliver this uh, this blow. And they had also uh, thought about, you know, how they can uh, get themselves distanced from this and what the um, their explanations would be. And they have, they have worked on all of the details. Um, the mm-hmm. problem for them was that it didn't work, uh, and, uh, and they were caught red-handed. Let me tell you, this person who was arrested um, by the German authorities, Asadullah Asadi, um, who um, apparently was the uh, diplomat based in Vienna, he is uh, very important for the whole terrorist operation of the Iranian regime. He is the one um, who is also considered to have been involved in several other attacks in Europe. Um, uh, but also um, uh, the regime is doing everything possible to uh, find a way to get this diplomat out of Europe into Iran. Um, the, the fact that he was arrested in Germany, not in the area he had diplomatic immunity, which was Austria, is a big problem for the Iran regime. So, And the, the Belgian government wants to have Asadullah Assad extradited by the Germans to Belgium, where they're doing the, uh, the investigation, yeah. uh, which they're supposed to do. But Iran wants to get him back. They're trying to work out something with the, uh, the Austrians to get him from Germany to Austria so they can fly him back to Iran and, and clear the tracks. And that's why it's so important to get on top of this. And it's so important for the Americans, um, the uh, U.S. law enforcement um, agencies, to yeah. be heavily involved in that to make sure that Asadullah Asadi will not be able to escape back to uh, Iran. Uh, so that's the top issue now. Now, you talked about these two people that were the sleeper cell or the people that were involved in the sleeper cell, and you say that they've been in place for years. What uh, kind of proof do you have of that? Why, why do you believe that? Well, you know, the, the level of um, uh, sophistication, of course, these people pose themselves as being like, you know, sympathetic, that they are against the regime, that they are supportive and all of those things. But that's, you know, that's like the cover uh, uh, for them. The way they had conducted the, uh, this whole thing, a lot of the details that we know, how professionally they had done 
this work. This is not a work of somebody, you know, who you just give some money to uh, to carry out, uh, you know, some uh, on-the-spot operations. Um, so the, the, these people could not have operated the way they operated unless they were well-trained, were very professional, and um, already well connected to the um, uh, to the regime and those diplomats who were working with them. So, is there anything specific, anything more specific about the sleeper cell that you can share that would be more convincing about um, them particularly being involved? Well, the uh, Belgian authorities who are investigating this, um, they said that um, they believe that this, these these people were um, highly connected um, way in advance. Um, these are the terms actually they use, and um, uh, they highly they emphasize the fact that they traveled to Luxembourg. Uh, apparently, they have some evidence of actually the diplomat uh, Asadullah Asadi, the intelligence chief, uh, gave the material and the bombs and everything to them. And the way they hid this, uh, these um, uh, bombs and they move things from one car to the other, and they use all kinds of covers. Um, they, they transfer things in, you know, from several locations just to make sure that all the tracks are, are, are cleaned. Ali Reza, Jeff Erzadi, Deputy Director of the Washington Office of the National Council of Iran, explaining how a complex June 30th plot to bomb a gathering where almost 100,000 people were in attendance, including dozens of high-profile Americans. He also will tell us when we come back, this was the second time that Rudy Giuliani had been targeted by the same group this year. They uncovered the, um, the Albanian authorities, uh, perhaps with the help of the Americans, uncovered a plot to uh, bomb the uh, uh, that event uh, when Giuliani and Mrs. Rajevi were speaking. The full story when we come back on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. So far on the program, we've heard that four people were arrested by Belgian, French, and German authorities on June 30th and July 1st of 2018. They were planning to bomb a massive gathering of people in Paris. All of them were there to oppose the Iranian regime. Ali Reza, Jafar Zadi. Deputy Director of the National Council of Resistance of Iran is our guest. And as we were talking to him, he'd explained to us this was not the first time this year that Rudy Giuliani had been on a list of people targeted by the very same group. You named some of the Americans that were there. It's My information says that there were more than 30 there supposed to be there and there are many other high-profile individuals from from countries around the world um, that were there at this 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 event now that you know that what you know about their intent and the serious nature of them trying to attack this massive major event 
Give me a sense of how long you think this was being had been planned. This particular attack had been planned. Uh, well, we're still trying to compile our own information about this, but um, we believe we're definitely talking about uh, several months, if not um, about two years. We had some indications that this was actually uh, in the plan for the past two years, um, but they they fine-tuned things and they, they finally made the decision that this is what they want to do uh, now. Um, and, and, you know, you, you've seen the change of the behavior of the Iran regime over the past uh, a few months, how uh, because they're so desperate, especially because of the uprising, because there are so many protests taking place in Iran, the Iran regime is, is in high need of, um, you know, delivering blow to the um, opposition to, um, you know, as a counterbalance to that. Um, and, and that's why, um, even though they had planned for things for a long time, but the, the timing um, is very uh, uh, curious because it's really timed around, uh, you know, the, the protests in Iran. There were major protests uh, started back in late December 2017 and has continued ever since um, inside Iran. Um, as many as over 150 cities have been engulfed in protest acts against the Iranian regime, and they're so paranoid. And then they were, the whole world was focusing on the Iranian regime in terms of, you know, the Arab nations are isolating the regime. And um, there were um, tougher approach, tougher policies against the Iranian regime. So Tehran wanted to somehow make up for their weaknesses inside Iran, and they, they found this way, you know, resorting to terrorism is, is one way to um, uh, counter their impotence inside the country. Well, this is a very serious situation, and I'm wondering as NCRI moves ahead, um, uh, you, you've, been, you've been getting these threats for a long time, and you're well aware of, you know, the capabilities of, of the regime and, and, and all of its proxies. How is what took place going to impact what you do and how you go about your business security pro- protocols and um, essentially doing what it is that your organization does? Right. Well, you know, I, I think it's further. Um, um, uh, uh, I, I think what happened um, in Paris um, really highlights the significance of um, our own activities and the fact that we need to actually step up our activities and, and don't be uh, deterred by what the Iran regime was plotting to do. Uh, what we need to do is to basically get the attention of the United States and European countries on the terrorist behavior of the Iran regime. We need to have a very serious campaign um, against the terrorism of the Iran regime. I think um, the U.S. government um, uh, needs to look at this um, in a totally different light, even though Iran has been, the Iran regime has been for many years, the leading state sponsor of terror around the world. Uh, but this is a, a different situation. Um, they need to step up their efforts. Um, I think the U.S. law enforcement agencies need to investigate this uh, very thoroughly and be on top of it, making sure that Assadullah Assadi cannot escape uh, Germany and go back to uh, Iran. Um, the U.S. government really needs to hold Tehran accountable um, on this this attack, because obviously this is not going to be the last one. Um, they will have a lot of others uh, planned. 
a lot of senior officials of the Iran regime have said repeatedly that they, they, they plan to do such terrorist operations and they will continue to do uh, such terrorist operations. So really the only way to counter it is to increase the vigilance um, internationally, especially by the United States, uh, to put the regime in a defensive uh, position, also to make sure that Tehran pays the price this time, because all of the terrorist activities the Iran regime has done over the years, they really never paid any price for it. Instead, they used terrorism to gain concessions from um, the, uh, the West. Uh, things must change now. Uh, the um, U.S. and other Western countries need to uh, hold Tehran accountable, make them pay for their terrorism, and making clear uh, to the Iran regime that no such thing can be tolerated. Uh, plus, there's going to be a price for what they already did with this event and with all the other terrorist activities they've done before. Is there anything you want to add that I haven't asked you about that you think is important? Um, I think it's important for um, for the um, uh, U.S. government to really get on top of this this operation because think about it, um, you had the most senior, high-profile Americans present at the event. There were hundreds, if not thousands, of also other American citizens, uh, mostly Iranian Americans, who were in attendance in the audience. Um, and yet uh, the Iran regime uh, planning to carry out uh, this very bold terrorist operations. Um, so uh, that's why I think we need to see um, uh, public statements by the uh, U.S. government about this. We need to see the specific actions by the U.S. government to uh, make sure that uh, they weigh in properly to prevent the Iran regime um, uh, agent, the, the top terrorist, the station chief of their intelligence in Europe, uh, to get away with it and, and go back to uh, Iran and do everything possible to um, make sure that Tehran would pay a very, very high price for this uh, terrorist operation. Also, I think what it also shows is that this regime is in big trouble domestically internally. Um, and that's why this is like a, a desperate move uh, to really keep the regime in power. And I think that should signal to the outside world that this is the time to step up pressure on the Iran regime. This is the time to increase uh, sanctions on, on the Iran regime, to build pressure on the Iranian Revolutionary Guards and their intelligence uh, operations. And this is the time to seriously look at the developments inside Iran to see that the people of Iran really have the capability and the intent to replace the Iran regime. And all the U.S. really needs to do is to stand on the side of the people of Iran and build pressure on the regime. The rest is to the people of Iran. A couple of questions for you. Um, Asadi, Please. is he the... Is, there's another individual named Mustafa Rudaki. Is Assad, yes. is that the same? Are they, they're not the same person, are they? No, actually, Mustafa Rudaki uh, was the station chief in um, in Vienna uh. until 2014. Okay. Okay. And then he went to Iran. Then he came back, and he was a station in Albania. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very recently, just, uh, you know, uh, a few months ago. 
Now, what happened, and I'm glad you, you brought it up, um, Mustafa Rudaki, um, uh, when, when he went to Albania, the Iran regime was planning to do, uh, you know, a similar uh, attack uh, in Albania against the, uh, the same opposition movement, the, uh, you know, the, the MEK, the Mujahideen Khalq, because in March, um, uh, uh, that was the Iranian New Year, they had a big event in a, in a very large uh, indoor sort of like a stadium um, uh, hall in, um, in, um, in Tirana, where um, uh, several thousand members of the Iranian opposition were there. And then Rudy Giuliani was the keynote speaker along with Mrs. Mariam Rajvi. And um, they uncovered the, um, the Albanian authorities, uh, perhaps with the help of the Americans, uncovered a plot to uh, bomb the, uh, uh, that event uh, when Giuliani and Mrs. Rajevi were speaking. And, um, and that plot was um, uncovered. And interestingly, at that time, Rudaki, um, who really um, uh, was, you know, similar to Asadullah Asadi, but Asadi is, is actually higher than Rudaki, you can see the connection. Uh, because all of the activities yeah. in Albania of the intelligence operations is under the control of Asadi himself. Yeah. So Asadi was overseeing the operation in Albania, which failed in March. And um, now, you know, he's, he got himself directly involved in uh, giving the package and all of those things. So I think you can see a trend yeah, that was, um, that in was... Europe. That, yes. was, that was my next question. Um, this is two events that Rudy Giuliani has been involved in. So is it safe to say that he was definitely a target? Well, I mean, one can easily um, conclude out of these things that even if he may not have been directly a target, but certainly in both events, he was, you know, he was a keynote speaker uh, in both of those events. Um, obviously, the target, the main target of the Iran regime was the Iranian opposition itself and their leadership. Uh, but whoever else would go along with them or, or, uh, or stand on the stage with them. And this is like killing two birds with one stone for the Iran regime. You target the, you know, the leader of the opposition, but you also target the top Americans um, who are standing on their side. Um, and that's why I think for them, it would be a, an ideal target in Albania, and even bigger target this time um, in in Paris. Uh, thank God, both of them have failed so far. Okay, one other thing, um, if you'll give me just another second or two. Sure, please. Um, there was a person that was arrested in France. We don't know who yes. that person was. Do you know? Well, they mentioned the, his name. I forgot the name. I think Mirza something, but. Um, um, he, I think he's still detained, and uh, um, he's, he's clearly detained in connection um, with, with, with the plot. I'm sure he has had some kind of responsibility or role uh, in this regard. And I think, like the other two, he was another person who um, had posed as being someone, you know, against the regime and, and supportive and all of that. This is the cover, the regime, this cover, actually, for them to uh, use individuals who, you know, who, who are not known to be uh, revolutionary guards or, you know, 
supporters of the regime or members of the regime, um, uh, th these are the most suitable people uh, to use for your operations. And that's what Tehran apparently did. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much, Ali Reza. I appreciate it. It's great speaking with you. Okay. Thank you, JJ. Bye-bye. That's it for this edition of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, the Helsinki Summit. During today's meeting, I addressed directly with President Putin the issue of Russian interference in our elections. I felt this was a message best delivered in person, spent a great deal of time talking about it, and President Putin may very well want to address it, and very strongly, because he feels very strongly about it, and he has an interesting idea. President Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin had a two-and-a-half-hour private meeting. After it was over and when they faced the press, it seemed as though they both were in agreement. Russia did not meddle in the U.S. election. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. But then, back in the U.S., it should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russia. So he reversed course, sort of. So what does it mean for the intelligence community and relations between Russia moving ahead? That's coming up on our next edition. But for now, thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Please subscribe to our podcast and also let me know what you think. Send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. jgreen at wtop.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. If you like my show, you're not going to want to miss Beyond the Darkness, right here on Podcast One. It's a weekly look at all things paranormal with world-renowned researchers and experiencers. They challenge everything we think we know about ghosts, ghouls, angels, demons, aliens, monsters, and more. So check out Beyond the Darkness weekly on Podcast One, podcastone.com, and Apple Podcast. Also, remember to rate and review. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number. 
the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.